Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Arts Express. Power to the people. So all aboard for a journey with Valerie Fafala and Trish Posterino into alternative theatre, cabaret, festivals, comedy and arts activism and plenty of great music, Trish. Oh yeah, that's the ticket. Hello, it's Valerie Farfalla. You're with Trish Posterino and Valerie Farfalla on Arts Express 3CR Community Radio, 8.55am digital podcast and streaming live from 3cr.org.au and available later today. And poor Trish and I, we were caught out a little bit late today in all that amazing traffic. But finally, Arts Express, we arrived at the station and here we are today. And our guests today are theatre maker Kate Hunter, who presents theatre piece Earshot at 45 Downstairs from Wednesday 29th November until Sunday 20, sorry, 3rd December. And then our second guest later is William Henderson, who presents Samuel Beckett's revolutionary masterpiece, and I love that play, Waiting for Godot, with his fellow theatre clown John Jacobs in the 11th Hour Theatre. So um, a great uh, half hour of entertainment. Even if up. I did come down in the last shower, Viv. <laughs> we started a fire. Oh, I love that. Vicar and Linda Bull. And so... Um, we're having a chat with Kate Hunter. Hello, Kate. Hi, Valerie. How are you? You sound like a long way off. It's pretty wet and rainy today, isn't it? It certainly is. And uh, actually, I'm just on my way uh, down to Geelong, but um, I've stopped and I'm pulled, I've pulled over and I'm safe and I'm ready to chat. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> so I'm here with Trish Posterino, my co-host. Hi, Trish. Hi, Kate. Hi, Trish. How are you? We're really excited Good, about you. your theatre piece, Earshot, at 45 Downstairs. And, um, yes, I'm excited too. Well, tell us about it. It's partly about undercover surveillance, isn't it? Well, look, it's, uh, it's, it's based on and, in fact, is made up of a whole series of um, conversations that I've gathered and collected uh, and overheard um, well, basically, that I've eavesdropped from the general public, <laughs> yes. um, and uh, so, so yes, the whole the whole idea is um, is based on that, and it's really that I guess that uh, that thing that we all do, and sometimes we can't help ourselves doing, which is um, listening in to um, to to people's conversations in the public domain. You know, whether you're on the train, whether you're on the tram, yeah. when you're in the cafe, mm. when you're Yes, we to, all do uh, it, Kate. Check out. We all do it, and sometimes we don't even want to do it. Mm. Especially when people <laughs> are talking on the phone, we don't want to listen in. But it's so loud. I mean, you could—they're doing it in public, and this is apparently, you know, featuring tales of disease, death, snoring, real estate bastards, those sort of examples, yep. colostomy bags, yeah, air conditioning. Yes, look, medic. Medical medical procedures. People are more than happy to talk about their medical procedures in public, and this I find amazing. But I think the thing about this work, earshot, that's so interesting. And when I talk to people about it, you know, everyone I know has a story. You know, yeah. when you talk to them about about eavesdropping, everybody has a story about what they've overheard. And I think that's because, you know, technologies these days, the advent of the mobile phone has changed our perception of what's 
what, of where the, the divide is between the public domain and the private domain. And I think that's really interesting to me as a theatre maker. Yeah. I mean, it's wonderful fodder for you, isn't it? Terribly. It's comedic. fodder. And absolutely, it's, it's an extremely funny show. It's also quite, you know, it has, it has some Pathos. pretty potent mm. moments as well. Um, but it's, it's incredible fodder as a theatre maker. And once you start to... Once you start to listen to the public, the general public, it's it's really hard to, to stop. Oh, I'm um, looking at your name, on. sorry, Kate, and I'm seeing yep. Kate Hunter and collector of of <laughs> of um, interesting conversations overheard. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, it, it's um it's something as I said. I think that we all do, and I, I, I guess this is a, a jumping-off point for me as a as a maker to think about ways in which you know to, to I guess explore the deeper issues you know that we that it, that's important to consider in our society about how we communicate, how the ways in which technology has shifted the ways we communicate. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a luddite, you know. I I use technology all the time. Yeah. Uh, so it's not as if I'm kind of. Um, I'm old-fashioned in that way, yeah. uh, but I think it's very, very curious, and I think people have people are people are unaware of what they're prepared to share. You know, it it it, it always astounds me. Yes, you mentioned things like it's it's changed our understanding of privacy, discretion, confidentiality. These things have changed. Boundaries between people have changed, haven't they? They have indeed, and I think you know. I find myself. I mean, I've described the show as part live performance, part undercover surveillance operation, and that's because I think, for me, there's a. I'm not sure, even in myself, of of what the difference is between surveillance mm. and just eavesdropping. You know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little bit conflicted, even as as an artist myself, as to the you know how how absolutely ethical it is that that I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, because after all, I'm using these these conversations without people's permission. Yeah, but ac- so, you're you know, an actor, that, you know, you're a theatre maker, an, but I'm you're an, also a researcher. So, uh, you know, that's all part of the research, isn't it? It is all part of the research. That's true. I think um, I think when we start to think about that line, though, of public and private, then we can start to examine. Well, what is you know, is 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 the Ethics. The, the main street is the main street. Your public domain is the is your front garden the domain? Is your back garden the public mm. domain? You know what do you hear over your over your fence that your neighbours saying to you to their dog or yes, whatever? So. so I think it's you know it's 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 up for grabs. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we're doing is we're we're also we're running a Q and A at the end of um, after the Saturday show, mm-hmm. um, which is partly to kind of unpack some of these issues around. The ethics of of making work as an artist in this way, uh, if people are interested, yeah, that that's terrific because that's a almost a, a social um, you know investigation on how our society is uh, evolving. Absolutely, and I mean, as um, you know, I, I think that's that's the role that artists play as well. Oh, know, definitely. Um, to is is to generate discussion, discourse, debate, challenge, provoke. And engage, you know. I mean, it's it's as I said, it's a it's a very funny show. And of course, we're working with a lot of different technologies um, and lots of different kind of everyday objects. So uh, there are two performers, myself and a wonderful actor called Josephine Lang. And 
um, a knob twiddler extraordinaire called Jem Savage, who's an electroacoustic musician who's Beg working your pardon? Too. <laughs> He's not a wanker, <laughs> is he? Not a, that's not a euphemism. That was a trope. No, he, he, literally, he literally twiddles. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, there's a really, there's a really interesting kind of, um, you know, use of both analog and digital technology in this performance. You're also using PVC piping, ear trumpets, yes. hearing fans, yes. megaphones. Yes. <laughs> yep. Tin cans. Yeah. Um, we have 150 meters of grey water hose. Lots of plastic <laughs> funnels. So we're sort of interested in in you know a bigger idea of language and yeah. how language and words shifts and changes um you know uh you know chinese whispers mm. there's lots and lots of ways of evoking different you know lots of layering of this idea of how we can change and challenge the idea of, of storytelling how we can play with telling those different stories in different ways. I, I think it's interesting also with Facebook and Twitter and, for example, with Donald Trump who, who just really can't resist getting onto Twitter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but also this megaphone God. sort of um, stuff that a lot of us engage in by talking yeah. on, on Facebook. And I know people can get paranoid about other people listening in. On the other hand, uh, I say to my son sometimes, um, don't get paranoid, I've got nothing to hide. Because, uh, <laughs> in a sense, it's well, all out there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think we have, we, you know, I think it's kind of insidious this, mm. the way that that that's that, that shifted over time. We I expose ourselves ago, so we much. Would, yeah, we do, and and we haven't noticed that. Yeah. Um, and and for me, I think that you know, I guess I guess the debate is around whether that still makes it okay for yeah. you know for me to take. Um, to take the story of someone's um, very, very like writing a novel, um, though, devastating breakup, breakup, and put it in a show. Mm, yeah, that's true. That's novelists, it's very cathartic. That's what novelists do as well. They, um, that's exactly that's observe. what novelists do. You know, so so um, yeah. So Kate, the, the question then is asked, sorry, beg your pardon. On, the question is asked, um, does real privacy exist? It, that is the question then, isn't it? That is the question, and, and I... And I don't know the answer to that, um, but I think it's something that it's important to interrogate, mm. and uh, and that's what Earshot does. In, of course, a very entertaining, spectacular, engaging way. You know, I mean, it's still a work that you know is, um, as I said, it's 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 really comic and it's kind of really interesting the way the way we're working with different forms and um, this idea of working with you know, technologies in the show itself, you know. I mean, one of the other things that we're exploring is we use voice-activated text. Which no, is, um, that's scary. <laughs> it's, you know, when, you, when you're talking to your phone, you dictate a message to a friend on your, on your phone. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, we're using a similar kind of software. And so the actors, sometimes when the actors speak, their words appear up on a screen as they're spoken in real time. Mm. And, of course, what happens with that technology is that it has to make syntactical sense Yep. But it sometimes doesn't hear correctly, so it might hear the wrong words. <laughs> yes. So we get this beautiful poetic kind of um, uh, version of what's being said. Uh, the audience is reading something a little bit different. And so, you know, for the audience, it's this kind of curious experience where they're, they're kind of going, oh, hang on, what's, what am I hearing? What am I listening to? What am I watching? Mm. What am I reading? Yeah, and also, um, sorry, go ahead, keep going. 
No, no, yeah, no, go. No, I was just yeah, saying, but is, yeah, what, that's incredible. That's what actually happens in real life, though, doesn't it? Um, interpretation. That is what in real life. So it, it, it's a fascinating journey. Mm. Well, listen, yeah, Kate, we, we've got to get going. We've got another guest, but it's been terrific speaking to you. It, and, it um, has indeed been terrific, speak, terrific speaking to you. Let us the, just give uh, you a, a plug down the corner of the highway yeah. down to Gigalong, yeah, to Geelong. So, yes, <laughs> shot by Kate Hunter and collaborators at 45 Downstairs from Wednesday 29th of November, the preview, until Sunday 3rd of December. And bookings... So can I just quickly throw in, it's just a really short season. It's only it's only the Wednesday to Sunday, so it's six shows only. I think yeah. the Thursday night's already sold out, so I do really encourage folks to, if they want to come along and, and see the show to get in quick with bookings. Well, yeah, well, there's a Saturday and Sunday, 4.30pm, and this... Q&A after the show. Is that on the last day, did you say, on the 3rd that's of December? On, that's on, uh, no, that's on the Saturday. So there's a 4.30 show on Saturday followed by a Q&A. Beautiful. And then there's an evening show on the Saturday. That's right. Yep. As okay, well. the, the 7.30 right. Saturday as Thanks. well. Okay, Thanks terrific. Thanks for talking to Arts Express. We'll Thanks, Kate. Right, thank and have much. a safe trip back down, down to Sleepy oh, Hollow. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So, um, talking to William Henderson... How are you, William? I'm very well, thank you. I'm in anticipation, as one might be when one's putting on a play, but I'm otherwise well. <laughs> so William Henderson is presenting Samuel Beckett's revolutionary masterpiece, Waiting for Godot, with his fellow theatre clown, John Jacobs, in the 11th Hour Theatre. And the new production also features two of Melbourne's most seasoned performers, Richard Bly and Tom Considine, and a bold new design by Julie Renton. Waiting for Godot runs from November 23rd until December 16th. Now, William, I just loved that play when I studied it in drama at uni. So um, I know that you've been involved with it before. So could you tell us a bit about the play and also that wonderful anniversary with you uh, and John uh, 40 yes. years ago? Yes, I'll, perhaps I'll start with the anniversary and work backwards to the play. Thanks. Uh, no, John and I have known each other for rather too long. Um, we, we first encountered the play when we were young university students, a, a bit like you, and we were a bit green, but we had a very fine director, um, and he told us what to do, and we did it. Um, and it was quite a distinguished production, not perhaps due to us, but due to the director, at the famous Pram Factory in Carlton, um, mm. and it had quite a, an aura around it. Um, and the, I mean, it's, as you say, it's a great play. It's one of the great masterpieces of, of Western theatre in the 20th century, and it, it changed the way theatre sort of happened really it, it's remarkable in many ways but it certainly got turned a lot of the theatre conventions of the day on their head basically uh remarkable in many ways not least because he wrote it in 12 weeks which is sort of annoying for anyone who's a writer <laughs> uh, and because it has an extraordinary mixture of wonderful strange clowning and deeply mysterious and serious themes running through it so as you say, even to read it gives you a sense of the flavour of it. Most plays don't read well, but this, you know, on the page, but this one does. Uh, anyway, it stayed with us, John and I, and we, I needed something for, for another occasion a year or so ago, and I suggested him we do a little bit of it, and to our surprise and, and horror, all our friends told us we had to put it on. So being, being foolish old men rather than young men, we thought, oh, well, we'll do it. Um, and there's a great pleasure in revisiting something because uh, it's extraordinary in the sense that it stays in your head and so huge slabs of the text have remained. Needless to say, we can't remember the rest of it, but um, some parts are very well embedded in the psyche. But William, just talking about that and actually waiting for Godot, which has been described in The Guardian as having um, 
a unique resonance during times of social and political crisis. Yes. And uh, it can at first appear bleak, but I'd like to compare what you were thinking as a 20-year-old with your wisdom over the years and see if you've reached any different con- conclusions about the play in that time. Right. Well, I'd probably dispute, dispute thinking uh, 40 years ago and even thinking now, um, but because uh, I think formless was the, the description that we were given at the time. Um, no, I think we were young and enthusiastic. I don't think we understood the reach of the play, we understood the comedy and the rather broad humour. Yeah. But we didn't, uh, and I think since then we've come to appreciate its, if you like, its sort of literary qualities. I mean, Beckett is a master of echoing um, passages from the Bible and from Shakespeare and from T.S. Eliot. And so it's an incredibly sophisticated piece of writing from a man sort of at the height of his powers who was writing very dense and difficult novels at the time. And I suppose the, the learning process for me and John uh, going back to it is to realise how uh, sophisticated it is, if you like, and, and even the simplest lines have a resonance over and beyond themselves. So much of Beckett's language is very, very simple, just simple Anglo-Saxon words, but he builds a huge resonance by echo and repetition and reference to other, other people. Um, and simple things like there's a wonderful phrase at the beginning, you know, hand in hand from the top of the Eiffel Tower. Now, that sounds lovely, but it's actually a suicide um, and I think at the time we just thought it was rather charming, but, uh, <laughs> but of course it's not. Um, and, and so uh, Beckett has a curious mixture of sort of elegiac resonance and, and very dark, of course, thoughts. And uh, I think The Guardian's right, The Guardian's usually right. Um, uh, the, 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 the play has a very powerful resonance about um, the dispossessed, basically. It's about the wretched of the earth. Um, and boy, if we've got a few now. Uh, yeah. So mm. it, it keeps coming forward. I mean, having said that, um, the play was born in a terrible time. It was written in the 40s, in the, the post-war period, yeah. not the sort of 50s um, sort of nuclear horror. So, so the, the, this, the origins of it, both personally for Beckett and politically, are, are very clear. Uh, he, he was very much caught up in the Second World War, and a lot of his friends were Jewish, and they all were murdered. Um, by the Nazis, so so, so uh, even at that level, the play is powerful. I mean, that's yeah. not to say that's on the surface, but it's certainly buried within the text, and and it comes forward in times of crisis, as you say, uh, like now. It is all around um, a grave setting too, and yes, and when you look at the situation today, it's all around us, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, we're, we're surrounded by it, um, uh, which is not to say that the the play is you know, entirely dark. I mean, Beckett was very clever. He, he coined a new term. He called it a tragicomedy. Yeah. And it mm-hmm. is that because his, his means of delivery or, or the, the, the style of the play is actually comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that what happens is not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it's a, it's a very fine balance he achieves between being very, very entertaining, I think, and I hope we are, mm-hmm. uh, and passing on some, you know, some fairly powerful sentiments about the state of the world. Uh, and I think the play is very unusual in that way. I think only... Shakespeare comes near to achieving that sort of uh, mix, if you like. I mean, Hamlet is actually a very funny play a lot of the time, even though the themes are dark. Uh, there are a few playwrights who, who do that mix, and I think that's why Beckett keeps on being appreciated. Mm. Um, I just wanted to ask you, this was um, the famous Pram Factory Theatre in Carlton. Yes. And now you've actually created a new theatre, Um a new theatre group, the 11th Hour Theatre. Is that right? Yes, and yes this that's is, correct. You've developed this. Uh, well, it's two phases, I suppose. I'm in an extraordinary and strange privileged position of actually owning a little theatre, namely a church hall, mm. which is called the 11th Hour. Yeah. It, 
the beautiful old hall of Fitzroy, which I got sort of by accident. Uh, I will be struck down for this eventually. Um, but um, are you going to be having theatre works there? Sorry, to say again. Are you going to be having other theatre works there? Oh, certainly, yes. Um, for tw- for twelve years, we ran uh, a good colleague of mine, Anne Thompson, who's currently the head of the drama school at Flinders in South Australia. Yeah. We ran a company called the Eleventh Hour, and we did various festivals here and uh, Adelaide and overseas in Ireland. Um, but that company sort of wound up about a few years ago, and I've started a new one based in the theatre, but now, now called Wits End, which I think appropriately describes my state of mind. <laughs> um, so, uh, but we've decided to keep the name of the company as the theatre name, if that makes sense, because it's written on the wall in huge letters, uh, illegally, I think, but anyway, your listeners won't tell anyone. <laughs> I actually studied Flinders. I studied drama at Flinders under Michael Morley. Ah, right. And yes, that's, yes. that's where I studied that play. Oh, well, very fine scholar and a very good theatre school, I'd have to say, yes. Uh, a privilege to be there, I imagine. Yes. Mm. Um, and Noel, uh, Anne used to fly over from Adelaide and we'd, we'd put a show together once or twice a year, but she's now the, the, the dean of the school and getting her away for three minutes is not possible. So I, I basically picked up the mantle, probably unwisely, on my own, but I thought I should rename the company because <laughs> Olympia was very much associated with her. William, um, I was going to just ask you a little question about, you know, the comic side of it. I mean, that, right. that in itself is an art form. Um you know, but you know, timing, etc., mm. and yeah. inter- intertwined in the in the play. I mean, it's yeah. so very important to get it right, isn't it? Yes. Uh, when you say little question, alarm bells go off in my head because <laughs> I realise it's an enormous one. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, so you know. <laughs> yes, but I, I forgive you for that, uh, mm-hmm. and I forgive myself for what I'm about to say. Uh, no, it's a huge question. You're absolutely right. Uh, um, Steve Martin, a very good comic. There's a little fragment of him on YouTube with the late Robin Williams doing mm. a bit of and an interview afterwards, he said, the thing with Godot is, you know, the tragedy looks after itself. What you have to get is the comedy. Yes. And he's absolutely right. Uh, comedy is extremely difficult. I mean, everyone thinks it looks easy, but it's not. It's much harder than tragedy. Well, that's you the skill, it, isn't it? it? Yes. To make it yeah, look yeah. easy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but it's a technical skill, but it's also about style and genre. And one of the issues one faces doing Godot is, is you know, what is the style? Because there are so many different forms of theatre contained within Beckett's play. Mm. And you have to find a style that sort of can encompass or, or enclose, if you like, all of them. That, that's the challenge. The play itself, as you know, is in one sense very simple. Nothing happens twice. But within that, um, there are a huge range of theatre games that, uh, that Beckett plays. Uh, games being the operative word. Um, and you have to find a mode in which all of those can coexist coherently. So it's not just a sort of series of, sort of big jigsaws, if you like. Well, um, uh, William, you paint a beautiful, um, enticing, waiting for, <laughs> you know, with bated breath we are. So maybe we um, need to well, know the details about uh, when. Yes, yes. Uh, Oscar Wilde once said he hoped he could live up to his good china. Um, <laughs> so I hope I can live up to or we can Gorgeous. live up to my my rhetoric. Um, the details are that we're at uh, 170 Leicester Street, Fitzroy, which is in the sort of inner city. Um, the show runs from the 23rd of November to the 16th of December. It runs uh, five nights a week from Tuesday to Saturday. It starts at eight o'clock, but we shut the doors, so don't be late. Mm. I might arrive in your absence. Mm-hmm. Um, the tickets, I think, I hope are reasonable. For those who can afford it, it's $70. Mm-hmm. For anyone who can't, it's 30 um, you and can how do people tickets. get the tickets, yes? Uh, you can buy tickets at the door, but we only take cash. We don't, we don't like plastic money because we can't spend it immediately. Okay. Um, uh, There's a lot of lines the, here happening. Yes. Uh, if you want to do it online, which of course a lot of people do, and it's very sensible, you go to trybooking.com, yeah. trybooking, oh, okay. just one word, 
mm. and then slash capital S-R-C-N, and that's our specific booking line. S-R-C-N for Nelly. All right. Nelly uh, Melba, I hope you are. Yes, uh, Nelly, yes. yes yeah, indeed. For Sam, uh, Arthur Ricketts, uh, <laughs> Charlie, N for Nelba. Right. this could be actors, a senior thing. Yeah. Thank Terrific. you very much, William uh, Henderson. Pleasure talking to you. And um, uh, we'll, um, you know, good luck with the for the pro. show. Uh, we'll dream about the blue china. Thanks <laughs> indeed. Very Thanks, Thanks very much, you. William. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.